Hi, and welcome to the Relatives to Reality podcast. I am one of your hosts, Deb Thibodeau. Also joining me on this venture as a co-host is my nephew, Steve O'Keefe, hence the relative part of the podcast name. Since we are in two different states, we have taken this social distancing to a whole new level. Steve is joining me from New York, and I am in Florida. This is an opinion podcast about today's events coming from two different generations, two different states, and a male and female point of view. Speaking of fear, I mean, they've already practicing what they preach. They have instilled such fear about this coronavirus. Now that states have opened up, you know, we live in Florida here and restaurants are open. We didn't have to wait when we went out to a restaurant. There's nobody's going to them. They're open. They're lucky they're at 10% or 20% capacity. They don't need a law. Nobody will go. And Mike and I were out last Saturday. We called that to the restaurant, made a reservation, but also asked, okay, what do you need us to do before we walk in your door? There really wasn't anything. We didn't have to wear masks. And it was really nice. We sat at a table. We were did our social distancing. Of course, all the party that came with us, I mean, we were together at one table, of course, but anybody else, we were all far apart. And it was really a good time. And, you know, there's not many people in here because people are still scared. To me, I'm okay with that. You can stay home. I'll go out and enjoy myself in a restaurant. I have no problem with that. And the ironic part was, you know, the other five or six tables that were full, it was like camaraderie. They said, hey, how you doing? You know, we don't know who they are. And everybody was celebrating that they were out at the restaurant. That was kind of remarkable. It was a nice time. What's funny is Sweden never never closed down. Found in Sweden was that they looked at ticket sales for movies. And people, I believe, like only 2% of the population went to movies. 98% of the theaters were no one went to. And what it goes to show you is... When you you give people self-autonomy, when you allow them to have control over their own lives, they'll figure it out. We're not stupid, right? We can breathe and walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. If there's something out there that puts you at risk more than normal, most people will take the precautions. And instead of destroying economies and bringing on another Great Depression, people will figure it out. If you notice, the states that are still locked down pretty much are the blue states. Look at the states that are still locked down. Do you really want to live in those states? It's a tactical decision. Outside of New York City, the rest of these states, be it California or Oregon, Illinois, these left states, these blue states, they are going to drag this on as long as they can so that they can damage the president. They're using this virus as a political weapon. Damage control. Trump keeps saying, man, the economy is going to pop right back up and things will be back to normal in a few months. Well, they are not going to let that happen because they don't want him to be reelected. And they don't want him to be able to to rally because the more he gets out there and rallies and you know how many people he brings to his rallies. I did hear, though, that he might be doing it in drive in theaters. (laughs) That would be funny. For him. Hey, when there's a will, there's a way. And you got to think outside the box. No, but here, I'll tell you, some people think we're cold because we say, hey, this is just a virus. It is a virus. It's, it's a little more contagious than the other viruses that have been around. Now, I work for a company that they deemed essential. We have over 500 employees in my building, over three shifts. I've worked every day since this thing has started. Not one person in our company 
test the virus. Every day they test every single warehouse employee to make sure they don't have a temperature before they start working. Just like they wanted to do at the airport. If someone felt sick, we told them to stay home. If you needed to go get tested, they got tested. We took precautions, but we stayed functional. The people were so appreciative of it that they had a job and they had medical benefits and they were getting a paycheck. I think uh, Steve and I spoke about this before. The country could do this. I think this virus has brought to the forefront, don't go to work when you're sick, regardless of what it is, because you're going to get other people sick. And there are people with low immunity to whatever they have going on, cancer, or they have pulmonary issues. When you're sick, stay home. But I know a lot of us, we go to work anyway because that's our job. You know, we get the side eye from our boss and we call in sick. I think that will come to an end with this whole virus thing. To think of that as a positive, that's a good thing. If you are sick, stay home no matter what it is. Well, once again, you have to think about the line. Their models showed 2.2 million Americans were going to die from this. So that's what put Trump into panic mode to start basically a lockdown. But that was all a lie. It was garbage math and garbage model. And nobody could justify that today for coming up with those numbers. A lot of the numbers now, I just read a few articles out of Colorado. Now they're saying that the numbers are extremely more low now that they changed the definition of a COVID death instead of it being Wuhan virus death. They changed it directly from the virus and the numbers are down majorly across the board. And what we also found out, a large amount of deaths in New York are because of my governor's genius, genius plan to introduce people back into nursing homes that were sick. Pretty sad on the news. That is Large numbers of elderly people, and that's where most of these deaths come from. And so now we're knowing why the New York deaths, mainly because of New York City, are so high because of how our governor handled this situation. And, and just to clarify for some of you that may not understand what Steve's saying, is if they took an, an elderly person was sick in a home and they took them out and they took them to the hospital, they have the virus. Instead of keeping them away from the home that they're in or the assisted living they're in, they just said, okay, they got the virus. Let's send them back. Here's some medicine and those nurses can take care of them. They're not equipped for that. What is the purpose of that? We're saying the elderly are the ones that are getting infected. Why would you put a sickly senior citizen back into an assisted living home knowing that they could pass it on to other seniors? Absolutely. That is what, that is criminal. That's that is criminal. Did. Other states like DeSantis here in Florida, as soon as this thing started, the first thing they did was lock down all the senior homes and, and assisted living places, said nobody in or out unless they're staff and they're tested. And they made sure they had all the equipment for testing that they could possibly have. It was almost a non-existent issue here in Florida. Decision cost 5000 Steve, your grandmother, Mike, your mother, is an assisted living home. How would you feel if your mother caught that or grandmother caught that because someone came back into that home right. and she died? Absolutely. I'll tell you well, this. You could argue about the criminality of it. That would be tough. Listen, I'm, I'm with you. I think there should be some sort of criminality attached to it. But there's no doubt in my mind that if you are a lawyer in New York State, you're chomping at the bits to take civil class actions against the New York state government right now. 
for people that have passed away due to the gross incompetence of our governor. Mike's living through this. His mom, my grandmother, is on lockdown. We are blessed to have her in a place that has been so good to her. And if something was to happen to her because of the incompetence of our governor, I don't know what I would do. It's terrible. And, And to see the press... Look the other way for that and then try to blame our president on everything under the sun. Hey, you know what? If you want to blame him for certain things, if you want to blame him for how he handled press conferences, if you want to blame him for certain things, that's fine. But at least have the integrity to hold the same standard. That's what I'm asking for. We're not seeing it. The ironic part is a month ago they were chanting uh, Como for president. And now that it's starting to hit the news that his decision killed 5,000 grandmothers and grandfathers, all of a sudden you don't hear that anymore. No, you don't. And by the way, his brother made this huge facade on CNN that he was getting out of the basement for the first time for being in lockdown because he had the virus. And we found out that he got in a fight on his bike a few weeks prior. So he was out of his basement long before the whole scene on CNN that he was coming out of his basement. Matilda's Law will provide new protections for most vulnerable populations. New Yorkers age 70 and older, people with compromised immune systems, and those with underlining illnesses. Directs 90-day moratorium on any residential or commercial evictions. So what good is that? It still didn't, it doesn't change the fact that he put sick people back into a senior living quarters with little or no protection for the rest of the people there. And he killed 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. That law just keeps someone from being evicted. I mean, I know that's a bad thing too, but he actually killed them first. You don't have to worry about eviction. And what did he say about Trump? Oh, let it be Trump's decision on who he kills? Again, going to the incompetence or going to the double standards here, me and Debbie also did a an episode where we, we talked about how they let prisoners out of New York State prisons that were essentially sex offenders. If the media's play here is about safety and all of us that don't have the virus have to be essentially ushered into our homes for safety, where was the safety when you were pushing elderly people with the virus into homes with other elderly people without it? Where was the safety when you let out people that had committed sexual assault because of, quote unquote, their safety from the virus when they could go out and commit sexual assault again? It's like you're living in the, you know, the upside down from uh, that Netflix show. It just doesn't make sense why they have one standard over here and then these crazy standards over here. What the amazing part is that they're getting away with this mm-hmm. all behind the scenes under the guise of safety. What happened to our rights? One, we're being forced to stay indoors. We can't go out. We can't do this. We can't do that. Oh, by the way, let's let everybody out of prison. Oh, let's give everybody money from the government. And it's, oh, by the way, I need an extra $50 billion to make my budget whole again this year. I mean, just it, the gamesmanship, they have turned this virus into like a test run, okay, for socialism. And now they want us to bail out these big blue states who have been bailing for decades. Now they're asking for extra money so they can get home. So, I mean, this whole thing has opened up a huge uh, Pandora's box. It makes you even more scared of the government today than I was yesterday. I was uneducated to how the whole tax things works because I know some states, like Florida, we don't have state tax. But federal tax, I know that everybody pays, all 50 states. Yep. Okay, because I had death and taxes. 
But I did have someone say to me, well, New York puts in a lot of federal tax, so, you know, we deserve that bailout. And I said to Mike, well, how's that work? Do we all put the same amount of money into that federal tax? And he said, yes. I said, so New York and Florida put in the same amount of federal tax? He said, yes. I bet you a lot of people don't know that. Well, it's simple. Federal is federal, state is state. Okay, on a state level, you can have 0% tax rate or you can have 10 or 15%, depending on what state you're in. But we need to be a little bit more specific, income tax. Income tax, right, yes. right. And then there's sales tax on all. But, but when it comes to the federal government, if you make a million dollars in New York or you make a million dollars in California or you make a million dollars in Florida, you're taxed at the same federal tax rate. We're all the same. We're all American. So that's what brought me to say, well, why does New York deserve a bailout? Now, let me give you the less rebuttal to you would be this. New York State and, and California have a couple of the biggest economies in the world. Like I believe uh, California compared to the world has like the 10th highest, roughly, I'm saying, economy in the world. So what they're saying is we put even more into the pot based on our population and how much we produce. So we should be able to get more from the Fed than, let's say, Alabama. The problem with that premise is, leftist, is that you guys actually take more out of the pots than you put into the pots. It doesn't matter how much you produce. It's about the net gain or net negative you have on the federal government. And New York State and California are billions in debt. Hey, raising my hand over here, I'm from New York State. We're billions into debt. It's no coincidence that both states are billions into debt and yet are seeing one of the biggest mass exoduses out of both of those states. Huh. Interesting how that happens. And where are they going? They're going to states like Florida and Texas without income taxes. It doesn't have an income tax. And we don't have these deficits that New York and California has. So, isn't that funny? No state tax, but yet we have no deficit. How do you do that? Well, we do it right. We watch what we spend. The tourism helps create uh, money coming in through hotels and, and tolls and sales tax. We watch what we spend. And we don't have these huge promises that we've made to hundreds of millions of people inside our states. And on top of that, Mike, this is what the left doesn't get under basic economics 101. When they see no state income tax, they go, oh, you're not taking in as much as, say, states of California and New York. Wrong. When you have lower taxes, you actually create, in a way, more revenue to the state because there are more people making money than say in California and New York because you have incentivized more people to start businesses. You have incentivized more people to innovate. And so now you're actually bringing in more to the state than if you were in some of these other states with larger taxes. They just don't get basic economics. And we've had a test case of it for the last hundred years of capitalism versus socialism, of big leftism versus small government rightism. And we're seeing it. I, I just don't get how these people don't understand this. And you know what the scary part is, Steve? It used to be very clear. You know, the South was very conservative. The North was very liberal. But with this mass exodus because of money, you know, people going out of California and moving to Texas and people out of New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania all moving down here to Florida. Hey, you're welcome. Florida is the third largest state in the United States. It's bigger than New York now. But do us a favor. 
when you cross that state line, when you move down here, leave your politics <laughs> there. Yes. Okay, we don't want your liberal nonsense here. You already ruined your state. state. <laughs> don't ruin my state. All right. If that means we have to build a fence or a wall, oh no, shocker, around <laughs> our state to keep people in in order to save Texas and Florida, hey, I'll accept our responsibility to save those other states, even though I. <laughs> and New York has dug their own hole, and I don't know what's going to happen long term. You know what's funny to this is a lot of my friends lean to the left, all right? And we got into one of my best friends who's very far left. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. It just doesn't register in their head. So we were. I don't a call that left, Steve. I call that socialist. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He is. He is a borderline socialist. He is now in D.C. and we got in this conversation of the coronavirus of and whether we should be letting it out. And you know, he pokes at me, I poke at him, but I love him. He's a great guy. We got in this back and forth of whether the lockdown is good and whether we should be doing this with all the coronavirus and destroying the economy at a back and forth. And then after the conversation, he goes, and this, it didn't register to him at all. By the way, have you guys been able to find flour in your city? We can't find flour. Flour? Yeah, we have flour. And he, and I mean, I feel like I haven't needed it, but okay. We're it having was a, a butter. <laughs> It was a break in the supply chain because of coronavirus. Their city was having problems getting flour into the city, but he could not figure out that coronavirus led to that. I still can't figure out why from day one there was a toilet paper shortage. Okay, I don't get it. Do you think that you're pooping more because you're home? Than you normally do. I mean, from day one, there's been a shortage. Well, I did hear with the coronavirus, one of the symptoms is diarrhea. But for a week, maybe? Well, a week, if you have diarrhea for more than three days, there's a problem. You need to go to the hospital. (laughs) I just don't understand it. It makes no sense to me at all. I mean, I can understand Clark's wipes. I can understand paper towels because you're constantly cleaning. Yeah, I just don't get the toilet paper part. Okay? I was telling it to have the only thing I could think of. It only do so much. There has been a run on toilet paper south of the border for a while, especially in Venezuela. So there has been kind of like this uptick in demand in the United States. So I was going to say, are we shipping to them? Yes. So what they're doing is they're taking some of our uh, invoice of toilet paper down to south of the border. I think it was a perfect storm. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Just up the amount we can make and we'll be fine. And and people don't realize a, a run on supplies doesn't mean you have to be out of all supplies. It just means there needs to be a panic. So what happened was we had 90% of our supply. We were lacking 10% because of the virus and maybe stuff south of the border. And People panicked. Few stores had little toilet paper in one region here and here. And then it got out through social media. And then everyone was going out and buying tons of toilet paper. And it created a, a panic. And then everyone was buying toilet paper. Yeah, it's, uh, it's- that's all that needs to happen. That's what happened in the Great Depression. That's what caused the Great Depression was a run on money. Toilet paper? No. <laughs> well, at some point, you could wipe the dollar as toilet paper at this point. You know what this is setting us up for? If a Democrat wins the White House, God forbid they take the Senate. 
They're going to turn around and say, well, because of Trump's policies, because of the virus, we got to have 80% tax or 90% tax on anyone that makes more than $200,000 a year. They're going to try to take everybody's money. You know what's coming. It's a perfect storm. That's true. They're already trying to do it now in the House. I mean, they, one of the, the guys who were up there, one of the Democrats, was arguing at the top of his lungs about how bad Trump was giving, you know, this tax break to, to the rich. Well, I'm sorry. We're not rich. We felt the tax break. My daughter felt the tax break. She definitely isn't rich. So this guy to stand up there and lie about the tax cuts that affected the majority of the Americans is just dishonest to begin with. They're blaming the revenue problem on Trump. Well, listen, all the way through March, okay, we're recording record tax receipts that we have taken in. And the country was closed for half of March. And we still brought in the biggest amount of money ever in the history of the United States. It's just like you're saying, like the way Florida operates, right? It creates uh, the incentive to work, which creates more revenue, which then gets taxed, right? So we do it the right way. Well, Trump did it the right way, too. Do you know they want to continue the unemployment federal $600 at the end of the year? Nobody's going to want to go back to work. Again, this is about politics. They don't want the people to go back to work before the election. Why would you say that? Because it will make the economy worse. Therefore, a better chance that Trump loses in the election. This is all a plan. It's all a plan. It is a plan. But to me, in my mind, this is not due to Trump. So how can people blame Trump for the economy? The truth doesn't matter anymore. It's what you can sell. And they're going to sell this. First, Trump shuts down the flights coming out of China, which in retrospect is absolute genius. He was ahead of the curve. Then he shuts down the travel between Europe, which was a really hard thing to do. It was a big decision and he did it. Now they turn around is, of course, they can't say he did a great job. They have to turn around and say, oh, he didn't react fast enough. Uh, 20,000 lives if he reacted the second he heard about this. Well, you need to get the facts first. You're not going to shut down this country just because. Are we going to shut down this country when the regular flu comes through in November? Are we going to shut down the whole country again? Because 30,000 people died from that, too. Prior to that, they were saying that he reacted too harshly. Too harshly. Then not enough. So which is it? I mean, they were calling him xenophobic. Pelosi was in Chinatown saying, come on in. Oh, yeah. All the way to like March 15th or something. De Blasio was the same way. He said, come to Chinatown. He had a thing in Chinatown and said everything was fine. And Pelosi, the same things. We have Biden on tape and on record being against the China ban restrictions. And then came out months later and said, oh, yeah, there was a right to do. Well, you know what? He's running for president. That should be a knock on him running for president until November because that's what leaders do. You take the stand when you have to take the stand, no matter what it takes in terms of the political headway you're going to get. The president did so. Biden scoffed and blinked, and now he changed his mind, and that doesn't matter. You didn't do it when it needed to be done when it was the best time. So I give Biden kudos for that. Going right, You know what? Trump was right by doing that. It took him more than a month. It actually took two months, I thought, for him to come to the right decision. And you want this guy running the country? 
The really? problem is, is that he didn't phrase it that Trump was right. He phrased it like, yeah, looking back, I guess, eh, whatever. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's kind of the way he's... We could do a whole show, a whole podcast on Joe, okay? Yeah. They write off what he says because, oh, it's just Joe. Me Too movement is only against the Republicans, not the Democrats, because obviously Joe didn't do any. We're going to start doing shows on Biden and what's going on and his VP and, you know, going down through all the candidates. Steve and I will do our homework. And Steve, uh, let's end the show on a positive note. The elections were held, as you know, and the Republicans took a Democratic seat out of liberal California, unbelievable liberal county. And and it was a write-in vote of all things. Write-ins are so easily to be manipulated by the the Democrats. The amazing part is he still won. I can't believe it. Yeah. So that that should give a little bit of insight how people are feeling. And I think a lot of stuff that will go in Trump's favor in closing will be that uh, as what we touched upon this podcast is there's a lot of people that they're not very happy with our political system right now. And so a lot of people are opting out and not even showing up to keep engaged and keep on the ball and keep getting the information out there because our rights are on the line keep moving forward with it yeah there's a long ways to go until election day and the single most important influence on the election that event hasn't happened yet there's more to come if i had to stake my paycheck on it right now i would say here in the middle of may that trump is going to win by a landslide the people that voted for him last time are absolutely going to vote for him And a large majority of the people that didn't vote for him because I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out with him are going to look back, see how he managed this crisis. The fact that he had uh, lowered taxes and got this economy humming. And he is the right guy to be in charge to get us back to that after this election. So I think he's going to win on most facts alone. Uh, With that, Steve? In closing, uh, uh, thank you for listening to us. And as I always say, if you disagree, that's fine. We're passionate about what we believe in. We disagree out of love. And as you see, you know, this is based on facts. We can always find some sort of common ground at the end. And I hope you got a lot uh, out of this podcast and hope you join us for the next one. Well, thank you for listening. Glad to be here. Thank you for tuning into Relatives to Reality. If you like our podcast, please share with your friends and family and also subscribe so you will never miss an episode. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Relatives to Reality.